Praise the Lord. Well, we, uh, we told John and Michelle we would give them plenty of time. In church, I think we have succeeded in doing that. So uh, let's just welcome up our friends, um, man and woman of God, um, sharpener, encourager. Um, la- we laugh together. We pray together. John and I used to have breakfast together before they moved to Texas. Um, and that time we'd just sit and talk about the Lord, and we'd talk about family, and we'd talk about life, and and it always was about Jesus. So love having you guys here and, and seeing you guys. And I know there's some guests here uh, to see uh, John and Michelle and the kids uh, minister tonight. So you guys, why don't you come on up? Let's welcome them. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So uh, here's Rochelle, one of the handheld, because she's more mobile. So uh, I'll hand it to you. <laughs> Good evening, church. It's good to be here. Hi. Um, we're here by way of Antigua, by way of Colorado, by way of Texas. Um, and I know you're completely confused. But uh, I'm from Antigua originally. Uh, Rochelle and I lived here for 18 years. And then we relocated to Dallas about five years ago. And uh, we're back visiting. And um, it's been great. We've had a wonderful time, as Mark said, already with all of our friends and I forgot to turn off my cell phone. And it's oh, it was you. Is it mine? So forgive me. Let me shut it off. <laughs> and put it away. All right. <laughs> so it's good to be here. Well, we're going to share our testimony. Are you ready to hear about the goodness of God? Yes. Um, you know, for many, many years, well, I, practically all my life, I never felt like I had a testimony. Um, life has always been good. I came from a good middle-class family back in the Caribbean. Um, got a full-ride uh, scholarship to go to college. Played soccer. Met the wife of my dreams. Had beautiful children. Uh, always had, did well at, at work. Got promotions. Um, and I used to say to Rochelle all the time, you know what, I don't have a testimony. I did have a testimony. The testimony was that God had his hedge of protection around me, if you know what I mean. But, um, you know, life was good um, until I moved to Dallas. And then uh, things, uh, it, we say it, I don't like to say it, but I always say, man, it seems like all hell broke loose. Well, God was with us through that time, but it was a tough time. You know, they say that there are four things in life that will cause the most stress. One is a major relocation. Uh, two is the loss of a job. Three, an extended illness. And four, death in the family. Shortly after we moved to Texas, all four hit us. Bam, 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 bam. Just like that. And um, it was was tough. It was tough. But uh, during those tough times, I want to tell you that God really came through for us. And I remember after I lost, well, first Rochelle's mom, uh, Rochelle's mom passed away. She had Alzheimer's and she passed away at the young age of 60. And then shortly after that, I lost my job. During that time, Rochelle had three major surgeries, the last of which was a brain, they found a brain tumor the size of a racquetball. And in fact, two weeks, uh, when they found it, they said, she was planning on traveling two weeks later. They said, if you had gotten on a plane, you either would have had a brain aneurysm, you would, could have had a stroke, you could have died. I mean, it was a big tumor. And I thought at, at one point I was going to lose her. And so everything, and of course, the relocation was also a major um, issue for us. 
Let me, let's turn in our Bibles. I want to read a verse of scripture to you. Um, turn in your Bibles to James 1. We really don't have a full outline because John and I, we've given our testimony. This is the fourth time. And we really just want the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. So we're going to try to not go all over the place. Um, our intent tonight is not just to tell you the bad things we've been through. Okay? Because it was hard. But the bottom line is there is restoration. And you will hear about the restoration of God and how God's hand was on us as we went through the difficulties because in the end, all things work together work together for the good of those who love the Lord. And we really feel that God is using us to encourage, to help even believers because even when we love the Lord, we're going to go through tough times. So now Rochelle brought this Bible. I'm not sure oh, what actually. it is. I'll, the I'll Amplified Bible. <laughs> I always try to tell her read from the King James, but she likes the the Amplified. Well, so I'll forgive her. But the reason why the reason why he's going to James one is because I did not deal well at all. Okay, I am very transparent. Um, I believe in the body of Christ. Sometimes we are not real. We like to put on airs. We like to put on masks. We like to you know have this righteousness about us. And uh, the Lord has really shown me that it's about transparency. It's about being real because when we open up and we are real, there's no shame in that. It allows other people to be real back with us. And that is when we truly can have the healness and, you know, God can heal that brokenness within us. So um, as I had the brain tumor, um, you know, I had been dealing with grief terribly. And those who knew me, knew in Dallas, but those who were in Denver and friends, they kind of knew I wasn't quite right, but, you know, I was really good at putting on that performance, trying to get through, but my family knew that grief when I lost my mom. We had taken care of her for eight years in our home before um, she actually passed away, and my brother's here, so I'll try not to cry through this time, but it was really tough. So when I had the brain tumor, the thing that just amazed me about God is being saved my entire life and everything I had gone through. Let me tell you, in that moment, the power of the Holy Spirit rose up within me with such confidence that the scriptures and parents, I'm telling you, keep training up your kids. Keep just instilling the word of God in them because in that moment, the word of God began to rise up within me. And the scripture that the Lord really impressed on my heart was James 1. And it's considerate pure joy, my brethren, that you can endure trials and tribulations. It's about the perfecting of your faith, becoming mature and complete and whole. And it goes on to say, you know, if any man lacks wisdom, ask for wisdom. But then if you doubt, you're like the waves of the sea being tossed to and fro. And I had no moment in that time when they told me 30% chance I would lose my voice and my personality going into surgery. There was no doubt. I was coming out. And I immediately just said, Satan, you're under my feet. You're behind my back. Get thee behind me because you have been opposing me my whole life, causing so many different things to come up against me to take me out. And in that moment, the power of God was there. So I'm telling you, when you come up against trials, don't reject or don't feel like, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong? Because I believe God plans and allows those trials to come upon us. You know, look at the story of Job. When Job, you know, Satan said, here's your servant Job. You know, he loves you. He says he loves you, but he's got everything. And God gave Satan the opportunity to touch his servant Job, but don't kill him. And, you know, in that moment, I realized that, you know what, that's what God's doing. 
You know, he allowed, he allowed Satan to try to come against us, but we had to speak life, we had to speak the word. So in that time, that James 1, uh, God just keeps taking me back to that over and over again, that it's not about a joy of being happy, in, you know, because I'm a real bubbly, happy person. It's not about that. It's about having gladness. It's about the delight that we can go through. Do you hear that one? We have we're allowed. God's allowing us to go through these things because it's going to make us better at the end because none of us are ever going to reach or attain that perfection. You know, Paul, I think, says in his word even, I, even Paul, have not attained that perfection. But we continue to strive and press on towards the goal and the prize in which Christ has called us to. So that's the James 1 reference in regards to that scripture and how it really impacted my heart and really helped me get through that time. And so we know that uh, we're going to go through trials and tribulations. Let me see the hands of anyone in here who has not gone through trial or tribulation. And I know no hands would go up because that's just a part of life. But I'm going to give you a recipe for how you can be, how you can go through the trials and tribulation and be more than a conqueror. Shortly after all these things started to happen, uh, the church that we go to, the pastor preached a passage of scripture from Psalms 91. He calls it his 9-11 passage. It goes like this. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, my God, my fortress, in you will I put my trust. And so I decided, but, but he went on to say, you can't say, you can't say that he is your God, and that he's your Lord, and put your trust in him, because there's a prerequisite. It says, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. So in order to be able to say you're going to put your trust in God, in order for you to be able to say he's going to protect you, you've got to dwell in the secret place of the Most High. So I decided that I was going to do that. Uh, during that sermon, he also talked about um, prayer. And uh, there's a passage uh, where Jesus was telling a story, and he said, when you, he was telling his disciples, when you pray, um, this is how you should pray. And he said, I'll, I'll give you a story. He said, there was a judge who had no regard for neither uh, God nor man. But he was a very powerful judge. And this lady would go to him with a request. She said, judge, can you? I have all these people coming against me. Can you uh, take care of them? Can you show me some justice? And every time she would go to the judge, the judge would ignore her. But she kept going and going and going. And eventually the judge said, you know what, this woman is wearing me out, so just give her what she wants. So he decided he would answer her, her request. Also, um, when you pray, be specific. I think lots of times when we pray, we just give this real general prayer. Uh, but God wants us to be specific because he wants us to put him to the test. So I decided that I was going to pray for seven specific things. And um, I wrote them down, and I started praying for those things, and I prayed... and. Also, when I chose, I don't know why I chose seven, probably because seven is the number of perfection, but seven is what I came up with. And I decided I would pray continually. I would pray without ceasing for these seven things. I also told myself I was going to pray for things that were impossible so that when they c come to pass, you can go back and say, hey, this is, you know, this would have happened anyway. So those seven prayers were, um, those were the things that I, I started praying for. Now, let me tell you what happened. Shortly after I moved to Dallas, um, I lost my job. I got laid off just right when the economy tanked. I actually got laid off unjustly, and I don't have the time to go into it, but uh, it was my boss's boss, who was the AVP of um, 
operations. Um, I work for a large uh, international company. Um, for some reason, he didn't like me, even though I had always excelled. I had gotten promotions every two years. Um, I was a top performer, but he decided he was going to lay me off, and so he did. And um, long story short, uh, and this was one of the prisons. So I was out of work, and I started working at a company making about a fourth of what I was making. Then I went to another company making about half of what I was making. But during that time, we had a lot of bills. We had a lot of expenses. Our finances got depleted. Um, pretty much lost just you know, all of our savings, and we were just down to nothing. But this is when I started praying. Here's what happened. Shortly after I left, my boss's boss got fired. About a year later, the parent company of the company that I used to work for, they called me back. Um, one of the executives of the company said, there's a position available. And I'm, I'm cutting the story short, short in the interest of time. Um, there's a, a director position that's available. You know, why don't you apply for it? There's, you know, there's a whole bunch of people that are going to be applying for it, but just you know, throw your name in the hat. And so I did. Lo and behold, I got the job. In fact, when they called me, this was like two days after I interviewed for the position, they said to me, um, what do we need to pay you in order to have you come and work for us? And so I was able to quote my price, which was very nice. Um, how often does that happen, <laughs> particularly in an economy like that? So now I'm, I'm making way more than I was making when I moved to, to um, Texas. Also, shortly after that, I got promoted. And I got promoted into the position of the guy who laid me off. And so now I'm in his position running the entire Dallas office. I'll, I'll tell you three of the prayers of the seven that I prayed for. I will tell you of the seven prayers, five of them have come to pass. The sixth one is in the process of, of God is working it out. And I know that God is going to answer the seventh prayer. Amen. Do you want to? Well, I just want to add in there so you understand the timeline because we are trying to cut short. John began at the beginning of the difficult, beginning of the difficulties. This is when John, you know, really heard the Lord and heard the sermon. So you have to understand that I, as a wife, was not handling everything as, as well as I should have. And I saw my husband stand up, and I'm so thankful. He's, his father's a pastor. He's been raised in the church. He's not always been the best, okay? He could, he could be a little better sometimes in certain areas. But I saw really? my husband, just a little bit. I saw my husband really? I'm not just saying. waver. I saw him not waver, okay? There was one moment in the process where he lost his job. We had to put my mom into an assisted living memory care, so she was still alive. I had to give up my job for a second time. I mean, it was bad. We did not know how we were going to do it. And God really spoke. So this is at the beginning of the time. So you understand this is four years ago when John began praying. So it's taken four years for us. And we still haven't seen the full restoration, but we are seeing restoration right and left. So that's the five, almost six, seven is we're waiting on. So that's been four years where we have remained faithful. We have tried, you know, to believe and to stand on the word of God. And I'm telling you that because since we've been home here the last week, we have met with more friends who have just broken down and said, you know what, God had you here for us. A friend who's ready to lose her house. And you know what, God came through on the Maya's anniversary, her wedding shower day. Our friend did not lose their house because God answered her prayer and worked it out. 
And she looked at me and just tears just poured down her face. And she said, Rochelle, I've always known that you had something different. And she said, I'm so glad that you were here. And it was because you were here. She said, you know, I can't even imagine how God answered this prayer. But we were praying. We were believing. So it's been story upon story like that. Because John and I understand we do not want to be pastors, Mark and Kara. We love that, you know, when you're called into the ministry, it's hard. That is not our goal. We're not here because of that. We're here because we want to share and encourage the testimony. And I just think it's so perfect how God has laid it out because you've been, you've been speaking on testimony and heritage, and it just happened to be that we were here. Happened to be, right? Is that God? That we're here to share the testimony. So anyway, so understand that timeline. It's, you know, if you've been holding on and continuing to pray and believe, to see God, to answer your prayer, don't give up. Keep praying, keep asking, keep seeking, keep knocking, because he will answer your prayer. And so I will tell you three of the prayers. One of the prayers um, was, I have a brother, an older brother who lives in New York City, who has an incurable disease. Um, it's a skin disorder, and it takes over your whole body, and it basically changes the, the color of your skin. A lot of people don't know this, but that's the disease that Michael Jackson had. A lot of people think that he was bleaching his skin, but it was a, it's a disease called vertilago. I think it's, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but you can look it up on the internet. And um, in people of darker complexion, it's really prominent. And so they start wearing a lot of makeup. They don't wear short sleeve shirts anymore. They have to wear long pants, and um, there's no cure for it. And so several years ago, my brother started going to um, uh, a group, support group, a support group. And um, he said it was depressing because every time I went to that group, all the people in the group, it, they would just look worse. I mean, it just kept getting worse and worse, and ultimately it takes over your whole body. So one of my prayers to God was that, God, I know there's no cure for this disease. Um, I want you to heal him. So I started praying that prayer. Several months after I started praying that prayer, I called him, and I was just talking to him, and he said to me, the weirdest thing is happening. The disease is reversing itself. Um, I said, really? He said, yeah. And, and, I, and then I told him about the prayer, and he said, wow, keep praying. So <laughs> several weeks later, I call him again, and he says, guess what? I'm not going to the support group anymore because I feel bad for these people because every time I go, they look worse, and every time I go, I look better. better. And they're saying, what are you taking? Because you know, they're doing a lot of experimentation with it. They're taking drugs and steroids and topical ointments and things like that. But he said, it's, you can't hide it. You know, ultimately, it's going to overtake your body. The last time I spoke to him, he said... And, one of the things, because it's so um, embarrassing, lots of times people stop going to the, to the pool or the beach, you know, and you just al you're always covered up. He said, John, I'm now wearing shorts, short sleeve shirts. I no longer wear makeup. And so God has answered that prayer and is answer continue to answering, answer that prayer. Amen. Yeah. Amen. The other prayer was that when Rochelle was going through um, all of her surgeries, I said to God, you know what, just give me a job so that she never has to work again. Because I felt bad, you know, when, when we moved there, the, the plan was um, that she would get a job and, you know, she would help support and all of that. But through all of her surgeries, I said, God, I want to be the support for the family. And so um, that was another prayer that I started praying when I had lost my job. And I just told you the story about how God completely reversed that situation. Um, is that two or three? Two. That's two. <laughs> What's the th oh, the, the third one. The third one is I prayed to God that Rochelle, she, she's a very gifted person, very talented individual, 
Um, but there was a sense that she didn't have a sense of purpose. She always said, what is my purpose? You know, you've got your job. The kids are running around doing their thing. You know, they're very independent. And so I'm just, I feel like I'm just here. So I started praying to God, help Rochelle to find her destiny. Now, um, let me finish and then I'll let you speak. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. I just want to add is that I was so incredible. I went to, went to Oklahoma Wesleyan University, did not finish my degree, but you know, I had an amazing job in Denver, and you all will know because it's all the bus benches that you see around the entire Denver Metroplex and the RTD shelters. And I was the transit manager for that company. And I gave up that job because we wanted to have a second child because my at the time was seven or eight. So I gave up my job. I went to school. I went to work at Heritage Christian School, which is where Karen and I met. We worked together at that school. Well, in the process, that's when my mom got ill. I didn't, actually, she wasn't even diagnosed at that time, but I knew in my spirit, I said to John, before we even moved mom in, something is not right. I feel like I'm, I'm going to have to carry this burden to take care of mom. And just the process I went through, she was 54, I think, at the time. And uh, going through that, so in giving up my job, and I want you to understand, I can't tell the details, but I gained a ton of weight. Uh, my health got bad. I had gastric bypass surgery. I'm ready to have a nervous breakdown because I just could not handle losing my mom. So in that process of giving up everything, my identity then began to change because now I'm not a businesswoman. I'm a mom, which is an amazing, wonderful thing. The best gift you know, a woman could have is to be a mother. But my identity was changing. I was losing weight. Uh, you know, I didn't even recognize myself going through that process. The loss of my mom, it was just incredible loss that I felt. And in that time, I wanted to get back to work because I thought that was going to solve my emotional you know, issues, my brokenness that I was feeling from grief. And I know that that's not going to heal it. That's not the answer. It's God. And I do believe that God moved us out of, out of Denver, away from everything that we knew and everybody that we loved, our entire support system, 14, 15 hours away where we had no one. And what that happened in that process is that it was the relationship with Jesus Christ. I'd always known him since a little girl. I've been ministering since I was 12. I've been to Australia and Puerto Rico doing missions. But it wasn't until that moment as I went through these steps that truly the understanding of Jesus being the lover of my soul. And your song, Care, I've never heard that one about the breath. You know, and loving the Lord. That just I just started crying because when you get to that point, you, sometimes you just get so overcome with the love of God, how he loves us. And it's hard for us to understand that sometimes, especially when you feel like God's punishing you in a way of difficult things that we're going through. And he's not punishing us. He loves us. We don't want our children to go through difficulties. We don't want to punish them. But yet, we know sometimes we have to because it's going to make them stronger. It's going to make them better. So in that process, that's what John's talking about is that, you know, he just wants me to flow in my gifting is really the reality of it. So and so shortly after um, she had the successful surgery on her brain tumor, Amen. I noticed a big change in her. Um, she would wake up in the middle of the night. She, she would be on her, her Blackberry she would be singing, and you know, it drove me nuts. I was like, go to sleep. You know, I got to go, go to work in the morning. What are you doing? And what happened was the Lord started giving her songs. And she would wake up in the middle of the night, and she would start writing, writing down those songs. And then she would, uh, she would start humming the melodies out of nowhere. Um, 
into her BlackBerry. And then she started, uh, I'm going to use the word bugging lovingly, but <laughs> Marcus, Maya, and I, come, you guys need to come work on these songs. Come work on, I mean, I saw such a passion in her, and I knew it was an answer to prayer because God has given her with an incredible voice. And I tell you what, I have never seen her on so, with so much passion for something um, since the, 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 brains, the, the brain tumor. And I know it's, it's an answer to prayer. We're going to do some songs tonight that have been written by Rochelle. Um, the melodies just came out of nowhere. She hummed them into her Blackberry. And Maya and I got together with her, and we helped her figure out what the chords were. Um, we're going to try to do... How much time do we have? We, we, could, we have time to do four quick songs? or no? well, we got to make it quick. we got to make it quick. What, what, when do we need to stop? 6.15. You got it. So we're going to do, we're going to try to do four songs. We're going to make it quick. With the exception of the second song, I'm pressing on. The first song, the third song, and the fourth song were all written um, and composed by Rochelle. So. And before we go into the music, I just want to set it up if you guys want to get set up back here. Um, as this was happening, how it ended up coming about was, <clears throat> obviously, I went through incredible recovery through the brain tumor because of the intensity of it. Um, and still, I felt a little bit of loss, and God was working through. But um, in the process, our pastor at the church, I had decided I finally broke out because I'm such an outgoing person, but I had just pulled myself away. Went to women's Bible study, started meeting, meeting some women. After the brain tumor, I decided to finally go back to praise and worship. And John and I have been leaders in the church ever since we've been married, and we've been praise and worship leaders in three different churches here in Denver. But we kind of hid in our church. So we gave our testimony. We met with our pastor. First time we'd been there for four years, a church of 800 to 1,000. As we gave him and told him who we were, just talking with him, he said, oh, my goodness, as a pastor, I need you to tell this body. You have got to give your testimony. We didn't want to, but we were obedient. We did. The amazing thing is we did not know he was putting it on the Internet, first of all. And uh, John kind of told his work story just a little bit differently. But the pastor entitled our testimony, Goodness of God. Well, what he did not know is before that, the very first song that the Lord gave me, I actually entitled it, entitled it Celebrate the Goodness of God, which was, again, confirmation to me. Two weeks after, my pastor's wife was in church, and she said, I cannot get rid of this word rejoice. It's just people in the church, we've got to rejoice. We've got to understand the goodness of God, and what he can do in our lives. And, you know, when we have a relationship with him. So, again, confirmation. Well, as we've been writing this, I really don't like the song that well. And I thought, okay, God, if I want to do something a little different. I want to do some Broadway, some musical stuff. You know, I'm, I've been in the church my whole life. I kind of want to break out. Well, the Lord impressed on my heart. You know what? That's what you have inside of you is the word. I'm a worshiper. I'm a praiser. So I've just gone with that. And when we were here Saturday, Mike, Mike, Saturday night, Mike spoke over us. And he basically quoted three lines out of that song. Basically that John and I, the time has come for us. He said, you know, you're going to show the goodness of God. So it was, again, confirmation for us as to what God is doing. So the scripture I want to leave you with is uh, the scripture. I actually, um, the Lord gave me an opportunity to speak to a group of women at our church and uh, the scripture in the morning, 10, 15 minutes before I had to speak, Lord completely changed the whole thing. By the, uh, the Holy Spirit just impressed on my heart. So I went with it. And the scripture is, if you want to turn in your Bibles and read this at home as well, because it's just impacted me tremendously. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, 
verse 10 through verse 14. And I'm going to read it really, really quickly. For my determined purpose is that I may know him, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may know the power outflowing from his resurrection, which it exerts over believers, that I may so share his sufferings as to be continually transformed in spirit into likeness even to his death in the hope that, if possible, I may attain the spiritual and moral resurrection that lifts me out from among the dead even while in the body. Not that I have now attained this ideal or have already been made perfect, but I press on to lay hold and grasp and make my own that for which Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has laid hold of me and made me his own. I do not consider, brethren, that I have captured and made it my own yet, but one thing I do, it is my one aspiration, forgetting what is behind. Hear that with a testimony, forget the past, because we've been there and we've done that. Get on. It's a testimony, you tell it for the goodness of God to help other people, but we need to forget it, and we need to, straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the supreme and heavenly prize to which God in Christ Jesus is calling us upward.